You're listening to Sandwich Talk with me, Jonathan Stark. And me, Andy Wang. And our special guest today is Grace. Hi, it's great to be on the show. Thank you, Grace. Sandwich Talk. Yeah, so basically the idea of this podcast is some... We're going to be doing it hopefully every week or so, something like Mm -hmm. that. Uh, It's a 45-minute podcast of talking about sandwiches, sandwich current affairs, philosophical implications of the sandwich... Uh, so, John, you would agree that we're both quite enthusiastic about sandwiches, aren't we? Well, I'm enthusiastic about the study of sandwiches. Mm. I, I enjoy a sandwich Absolutely. every now and then. It's not my favourite food, but sandwichology, I would say, is one of my favourite subjects. So that's why we created this podcast. We yep. can enlighten the world about our love for sandwiches. We can have a chat about different sandwich-related issues. We can answer all your sandwich questions, and that's what we hope to be doing today. And if you're interested in listening to the original Sandwich Talk US, then... Uh, Google WHCL FM and listen at any time from 11 p.m. on a Wednesday night. Uh, that's my friend's version of the show. It's the original. They have a similar theme to us. It's it's all about sandwiches, uh, but it's just an American spin on it, I suppose. Have you just co-opted their name? Yeah, well, I've co-opted the name. Absolutely. That's uh, a shameless I've got, plug right there. I've got permission. <laughs> I got permission from them, and I think oh, I'm now right. doing. I think I'm now doing them the favor not by. Okay. To get sued. No, 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 no. And we're not okay. going to get sued. Uh, we're now doing them a favor by directing all of our in immense quantity of viewers over mm-hmm. to their show as well. Absolutely. But anyway, here we are. This is Sandwich Talk UK. Welcome to our first episode. We hope you enjoy. Yeah. So uh, the first topic we want to talk about today is actually a, a sandwich news story. Because I found out just this morning that uh, Unicode have released their new, four days ago, Unicode released their list of shortlisted emojis for the next release of Unicode, Unicode 10, which will hopefully eventually work their way onto iPhone, Android, this kind of thing. So this is affecting the majority of our viewers, I would say. Okay, so just picture this scenario. This is why this issue is so massive right now. You're texting your friends, you're organising lunch, they ask if you want to catch up at a cafe, you say yes, and to add a bit of enthusiasm, you want to put an emoji at the end of that message. So you, yeah. whip, out, you whip out your emoji keyboard, what do you see? You see a burger, you see some french fries. Sushi, there's, see a, sushi. there's a lot of different sushi options. Mm-hmm. Lots of sushi, lots of pizza, lots a of taco fruits. even. A taco even, yeah, that's quite a recent addition actually. But there's one emoji that I feel has been left out of this yeah. entire emoji world entirely. And that is the bowl with spoon emoji, right? <laughs> Not quite, That has that is missing. That's in the shortlist. That's, That's in the, in the shortlist. shortlist. We do need a bowl with spoon emoji. What for? Just so showing bowls with spoons. If I feel like getting a bowl with a spoon. You know, if I'm sending a text over saying, Andy, do you want a spoon tonight? But I don't want to make it explicit. Yeah, it's I'll just kind of like, like Andy, subtle... do you want a bowl with spoon? Oh, exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like yeah. subtle message, bowl with spoon. Anyway. Anyway, anyway. We digress, <laughs> as per usual. What's really missing from this emoji keyboard is a sandwich emoji. Because yeah. when I go to a cafe, you know, there's nothing better than sitting down or ordering a fresh gourmet sandwich. And if I want to tell my friend that I'm up for a sandwich over lunch or something like that, all I want to do is be able to insert that tiny sandwich icon at the end of my message to show that's what I want. And that's something that's been missing from the emoji keyboard I'm for a really long time. I'm surprised it's taken them this long. Yeah, absolutely. Given that the sandwich is a, it's it's a, a staple, staple food. Yeah. It's, it's like a generic food. We've all sat down, we've all had a yeah. sandwich. It doesn't have to be fancy. You get all sorts of sandwiches, but sandwiches are something that are universal. It's something that connects all of us. And that's why we think that something like a sandwich emoji is just so important. Yeah. I mean, surely they're like eaten with more frequency than French fries. Yeah, absolutely, Grace. Oh, and they're I... better for you. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but the point, anyway, the point is, Andy and I this morning were saying mm -hmm. about how there should be a sandwich emoji. And now, given the new Unicode shortlist for next year, they have it on there. It's it's on the list just below cut of cold meat and just above baguette bread, I think. I mean, oh, wow. is there a causal relationship between you talking about it? And yes, I think so. I think our, our talking about the outrage and controversy over mm -hmm. the sandwich emoji this morning caused them to put it on their shortlist four days ago. So you think it's the discourse yeah. over sandwiches so that kind for of anyone, we've leaked any of, our, any of our listeners who, like us, have sandwiches very close to their heart, which I imagine is most of our listeners, uh, if you think that the sandwich should be an emoji in official Unicode, just, you know, tweet about it, email Unicode, send them a letter, I'm sure they'd like that, tell them that the sandwich has to move from the shortlist to the real world. That's right, guys. Silence is violence. If you want your sandwich emoji, we've got to speak out. Make sure they know that is what we want. Silence is the side of the oppressor. <laughs> Thanks, Grace. Um... <laughs> So anyway, back to Unicode. So John, how is this Unicode going to work? What's actually happening? When are they rolling it out? So it's going to be rolled out. Uh, Unicode 10 is going to be rolled out next year. And mm -hmm. this is this is not to do with the actual emojis you see on your screen, on your phone. Right. This is about which emojis can be encoded. For anyone who doesn't know the Unicode consortium, they consider their job to be trying to encode all of language mm -hmm. in a digital format. So they right. have invented a, they, they will design and put out a universal standard for how to express sandwich mm -hmm. in, um, in a digital sense. And then the operating systems, it's on them. So it's on Apple and Samsung and Google to design an emoji, which they can then put on that keyboard, which will send this sandwich message. Okay, so to clarify, when the emoji, when the Unicode rather standard gets updated, I won't see a sandwich emoji immediately. No, you have to wait on uh, whether you're, I mean, Grace, I know you have an iPhone, you have a Samsung and mm -hmm. I have stock Android. We'll all have to wait for our own providers to design their sandwich emoji. Okay, so the Unicode is basically just a group of symbols that defines what a sandwich emoji is, yeah. and then it's up to the manufacturers yeah. Yeah. to so implement that button. So they can all interpret it differently. They can all interpret it mm. their own way. And um, as we were saying this morning, uh, Grace, the <laughs> Apple the Apple sandwich emoji will almost certainly be some upmarket brie and cranberry or something similar. Yeah, no, my bet was um, pear and cheddar. Pear and cheddar, cheddar right? Quite exotic. Yeah. yeah. Right. Or, or it might be the guest sandwich of the day, which we have yet to reveal. So what you're saying is, so basically, you know how when I open my keyboard and I send a smiley face, because I'm on Samsung, my smiley face looks different to, say, Grace's iOS smiley face. Is that going to be the same situation with Yeah, so it, it might be a completely different type of sandwich. Right. Uh, and that, I mean, that could cause linguistic confusion. Like, if, if my mother sends me a text mm. saying what kind of sandwich do you want? Do you want a ham sandwich? But instead of putting ham sandwich, she taps a sandwich emoji, mm -hmm. which looks like a ham sandwich on her phone. It but on might your then, phone, it might be a salmon phone, and egg sandwich. It might be, yeah, a, a, a salmon and egg? Salmon and egg, right. Sa a salmon and egg sandwich. It's possible. And I'll be like, yeah, that one. And then she gets me a ham sandwich. And while I'm happy because I like sandwiches, it's just not the same. So that could be a potential source of confusion. But hopefully we're going to see manufacturers roll out the sandwich emoji. Hopefully we're going to see some degree of universality across different manufacturers. Hopefully it's going to work out quite well, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's that's the current events section for today. That's current affairs for this week. Current affairs.
Okay, so on Sandwich Talk, what we do every episode is we get a special guest on to join us, and they're going to be talking about their guest yeah. sandwich of their week. So if you want to talk about it in sandwich terms, Andy and I, we are the bread of the sandwich. Mm-hmm. We don't change. We're quite stable. But, but Grace is the filling. She is what the, makes our show interesting. Yeah, the, the primary attraction. The guest basically. is, yeah, the filling is the primary attraction of the sandwich. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> You're the primary attraction <laughs> of a sandwich. Most interesting part of this <laughs> yeah, show. The, the thing that gives the episode its real flavor, or sandwich, as we might want to call our mm-hmm. episodes. Absolutely. Okay, Grace, what do you have for us this week? All right, well, um, my sandwich, um, I would say that it really celebrates like the value of simplicity, mm-hmm. um, just as sandwiches go. And it's a French creation, which right. is always a good thing. Um, it's one of my favorite French creations besides pretentious existentialist novels. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a really simple one. It's got four ingredients. So it's basically just raw sliced radishes right. and sea salt and butter on a baguette. On a baguette. On a baguette. So sliced and radishes this, and sea salt and butter on a is baguette. Is this a baguette right. sliced kind of along the length of it, like a, like um, a, submarine like sandwich. a subway? Or is it like slices of baguette? Like a subway. Well, I mean, you can do it whatever way you want. I okay. mean, there's a lot okay. of right. possible adaptations. You can add things to it, or you can just... Um... So so my main concern with this one is that yeah. if we're doing a baguette slice lengthways, mm-hmm. we can agree that radish, sea salt, and butter is a quite light flavouring, more of a kind well, of finger sandwich flavouring. I well, mean, I think you're underestimating, like, the, power the strength of the radish. Of the, yeah, the flavour okay. of the radish. Right. Because what I, what I imagine here is... The baguette is quite, it's a chunky thing to put your sandwich in. Absolutely. When you're using yes. a baguette, especially a crusty it's baguette, quite a heavy you, want, bread. you want heavy filling to counteract it. Hmm. And I can't imagine thinly sliced radishes. Well, I mean, you've got to put in a lot of thinly sliced radishes. Okay. Right, so okay. kind of load up the radish. So, so yeah. kind of an inch thick layer of radish. Yeah, and then go generous with the butter as well, because you really want to... And the to... sea salt. And the sea yes. salt, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, you need a good sea salt for the texture. It's really interesting. I've never actually had a radish on a sandwich before. Can oh, you describe you, what it tastes like? Have you had radish sandwiches? Yeah. Yes. You have. Believe okay, it good. or not, I have. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard to describe it if, like, just, I mean, it's just the taste of a radish. So it's the taste of a radish. I suppose you've kind of got that interplay between the creaminess of the butter and the, you know, yeah, zinginess of the it's sea how salt they cutting through. each other. So you have like the sharpness mm. of the radish and maybe the butter sort of Maybe we should have gone out and bought radishes and salt and We can make a road, I think. We should test this out sometime. Maybe we can test it out sometime. Do a live put, put our review on the blog. Maybe, yeah, do a live stream. <laughs> make a twitch.tv. John and Andy react. <laughs> react to the radish sound. That's something we need to sort out our nicknames. Because yeah. you're Sandy Andy, I'm right? Sandy you're Andy. You're Sandy Andy. I'm thinking, what about Jaffle John? Jaffle John, absolutely. <laughs> that is a perfect nickname. That works for, so well. For those of our listeners who aren't Australian or from New Zealand, do you call it Jaffles in New Zealand? I have never, I don't know what Okay, for those of our listeners who aren't Australian, a Jaffle is a very particular type right, of Right, let me describe it. So, imagine <laughs> this. You've got a toasty, but... The sandwich press isn't just two flat plates, but actually it seals the sandwich around the edges and it cuts it in half many, diagonally as you toast the many sandwich. Many Brits will... I I mean, I grew up in Edinburgh and I had one of the, one of these toasty makers 
as a kid, but I never called them Jaffles. Mm, but as an Australian, I can tell you the classic Breville Jaffle maker. It's a classic staple of any Australian family. If you talk to any Australian, they'll know what a Jaffle is. And the fact mm. is that they're kind of like a toasty sandwich. I would describe them as a subclass of toasties, but they're better because I think they're more structurally stable and also you have a larger variety of fillings that you can put in them because they're sealed around the edge. So a personal favourite of mine is a cheese and baked bean Jaffle. They can really get creative with whatever Jaffle you like. I've never heard of this. You've never heard Have of they not made it to New Zealand? Maybe not, but I think that once you try this Jaffle, I think your life will be changed. So I yeah, think right. Jaffle John, good nickname. Yeah, yeah. So uh, radish, sea salt and butter, is it a Jaffle possibility? Would you describe it as a cold sandwich or do you think you could toast it and have it warm? No, I, I mean, I think you would ruin it by toasting it. Because right. I mean, um, oh, the best way to prepare the radishes is to soak them in ice cold water beforehand. Ice cold oh, water? Yeah, yeah. I imagine jaffling, that would not The jaffling process would we'll kind of destroy <laughs> the texture of the radish, wouldn't it? Yeah, you yeah. don't want that. Okay. okay. So how would you describe the texture of the sandwich? Because radishes are kind of crispy, aren't they? Oh, yeah, that's the thing. Again, like, you get the contrast between, like, the crunch of the radish and then, like, the softness of the buttered bread. Right. So, you know, instead of opening up your lunchbox and finding a sandwich with limp lettuce, you know, cold cheese, <laughs> boring ham, you get that really nice crunch of the radish, that kind of texture coming through. Is that right? Yeah. Sounds quite nice. We should try this out sometime, Jack Yeah, we, we should do it. We should do it. And it wouldn't be too hard to make. No, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, that's the thing. It's really quick to make as well. Wow. Like, uh, it's about, like, the quality of so the So that's something we can learn the from the French, complexity. I suppose. Oh, but we're not going to have good quality ingredients if we test this. Let's be honest. We're going to just go to co-op pick up oh, some no. kind of... You've got to go, like, artisanal. We've artisanal got to go bread, Tesco, at least. <laughs> okay. So I'm getting I'm getting an idea that this is quite a posh sandwich. Like, what what is the social context of this sandwich? I mean, I don't think it's a posh thing, necessarily. Like, because it's a really... It, it's I mean, like if it a... has to be artisanal, then that means it, <laughs> it, it must be sub, to some degree posh. Would you insist on making it on sourdough bread, for example? No. So yeah, it's quite it's a, just, quite a I versatile think that's sandwich. That's just you and your, just me. your love for sourdough. <laughs> right, I understand. You're I so do, indie. I do like, so I do like a good sourdough bread. But I suppose <laughs> there is a lot of variety that you can have with different sandwiches, and that's again part of the beauty of sandwiches. There's so much flexibility and so much creativity that you yeah. can put into it. It's really an art form. Yeah, Are there that's any... true. You can experiment with this as well. Like, you yeah, that kind of possible of alterations. Yeah, you could try and make it an open face sandwich. Yeah, so instead open of having face. instead of having sea salt, you could have river salt or rock salt even. <laughs> No. River salt. No. <laughs> oh my god. You realise rivers are fresh water, right? You can have they salty don't rivers. have salt in them. No, if you get further if you go further along the river, then you can get some salty water. Maybe. They dry it down to salt basins and you pick up the salt. It's usually coloured, it's usually slightly brown or slightly okay. pink. Okay. But okay. yeah, that's got an interesting I'll mineral take your texture word to it. R- river salt. Uh, yeah. Right. So right. Grace, this uh, radish sandwich, is it an open sandwich or do you kind of put the other half of the baguette on top of it and eat it kind of like a sub? It just depends um, just how like solid of a meal you want it to be. Right. Because you can have it as an appetizer. Right, I see. It's so kind of like yeah. bruschetta, but with radishes instead of the tomato and basil. Basically, yeah. Because, I mean, originally it was like a picnic snack. Oh, right, I see. Yeah, so I mean, I think originally, like, there was no bread involved in this at all. You would just take a raw radish and then you would dip it in butter and salt. Wow. But I suppose if you wanted a heftier meal, then you know, you can I mean, go the double carbohydrates. Yeah, yeah, double yeah. bread. Okay, okay. Uh, I just want to g- give a little anecdote about baguettes and baguette sandwiches. Yeah, go for it. Uh, when I was um, when I was young, my family we used to quite often make sandwiches out of baguettes, mm-hmm. and we had a terminology for how you slice the baguette. Okay. So you've got three options. You've got the Grand Canyon, 
Right. Which you can imagine, you slice it just down the top. Down the top, That's right. the Grand That's Canyon. Yep. The wide-mouthed frog, where you slice it along the side, right. and so it opens up like this. Okay. And then the third one is the one that we ne- we always thought, should I go for it? But we never actually went for it. The crocodile, where you slice it all the way down, right. except for a connecting part at the end, and then put the <laughs> filling in. So it's like you're opening up the baguette, but just don't really want to get to the end, so you just have this really long two halves of baguette yeah. once you're done with it, right? That's really cool, actually. Surely that wouldn't be very intact, though. You no, know? no, once no, you top not it up at all. With filling, not at all. That, right that, that's, yeah, that, it was... It's sort of a joke, you know. Right, yeah, I suppose it's less common, but again, yeah. just more, more. Uh, so anyway, that's, that's some groundwork for how we might describe baguettes uh, and ways of preparing baguettes. Yeah, you know what? I knew a girl in high school who would just every day she would just bring an entire baguette to school, and that was all she would ever eat. I just never liked baguettes. Just just baguettes. baguettes. I never yeah. particularly. I don't particularly like baguettes. Um, it's. I think it's because they in my high school they used to have like a baguette bar where you could ask what to have. A baguette, baguette bar, right? Okay. But they wouldn't put in a lot of filling. Compared, they would use crusty bread, right? And they wouldn't put in a lot of filling. So you just get sort that of really thick, disillusioned me about baguettes, and it would take like an hour to eat because you're working through the crust. Right. Yeah, it's really a bit yeah. of a joke. I've always believed that sandwiches should be dominated by the filling and not by the bread. Well, no, I think. I mean, have you ever had like a really good fresh baguette? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, a good baguette should be edible without any filling at all. Well, that's yeah. that's what I was talking about earlier. If you have a really nice artisanal bread loaf, it doesn't even have to be that fancy. Just a really fresh. If nice... it has to be artisanal, it has to be fancy. Well, artisanal doesn't have to be an expensive. Could you I make suppose, a sourdough yeah. baguette? Absolutely, sourdough baguettes are amazing. Can you, can you make a, a, a those exist? I think so. I wow. Think so. Okay. Okay. But yeah, just really good quality bread, really fresh. I think if you just put, you know, a little bit of butter on top, it's just one of life's simple pleasures. It doesn't have to be fancy. You don't have to make it one into of life's a really... Joys, absolutely. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't have to be really complicated sandwich. Don't need a complex filling. All you need is really good bread. And that's... You know, yeah. Andy, I, I'd really love to try your baguette sometime. It sounds amazing. Yeah, I'd really love to show you my baguette. I've <laughs> not tried his baguette already. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's why we need the baguette bread emoji. Yeah, absolutely. The baguette bread emoji alongside the sandwich emoji, as we, we were talking about earlier. Mm. Mm, exactly. So, this week, because it's our first episode, we thought it'd be really nice to start you guys off with an introduction to the history of the sandwich. An, o- an origin story for the sandwich, absolutely. as you might say. We all love a good story, yeah. Grace. I'm sure as an English student, you would agree, we all love a good story. Yeah. So let's have a chat about how the sandwich came to be. Right? I'm sure you've all heard the familiar story, the fourth Ella sandwich, you know, he was gambling one oh, night. that guy. That yeah. guy, yeah. He's gambling one night. Oh, John then, Montague. And then he he brings along one of his staff. He calls over one of his staff because he can't leave the gambling table. Mm-hmm. And he says, make me a food that I can eat with one hand. Make me a meal that I can eat with one hand and still roll the dice or hold cards or whatever he was doing at the time. And of course, he had a brilliant chef because he came up with this amazing idea to get two slices of bread and in between them put some meat and gravy. Because of course, if you're spending all night playing poker at the chip table, you don't want to have to get up and go to dinner and sit down for a, you know, proper sit down dinner. You just don't have time for that. So of course, we created the sandwich, which is very portable. It's very handy. You you can literally hold it in one hand and gamble away with the other hand. It's really convenient, isn't it? Interestingly, it's the same origin story as sushi really tell me about that so uh it's i mean it's 
basically when gambling came into Japan right. and became a really big thing, people wanted something that they could eat with one hand. Right, so um, they decided to kind of yeah. get some rice. So if anyone, for anyone who's having problems eating sushi with chopsticks, just remember that originally it's a finger food. You're not, you don't even need chopsticks. Well, I mean, I suppose when you go to Japan and you get proper sashimi sushi, you do pick mm. it up with your fingers yeah. and eat it like that. So I think that kind anyway, of echoes this, the history of the sushi. This olive sandwich, sandwich origin story, is not the beginning of the sandwich, though. No, not because, at all. Because uh, it's uh, it's traced back to the first century BC mm. with, uh, as Wikipedia calls him, the ancient Jewish, Jewish sage Hillel the Elder. Right. Who uh, wrapped meat and herbs between two pieces of bread and... Uh, and of course, back then, it was kind of like flat flat bread, wasn't it? Unleavened yeah. bread. It wouldn't have been risen And yeast. that, it, interestingly, that might give us an argument that flatbreads such as tortillas can count as sandwiches. So like wraps are wrap yeah, sandwiches. Yeah. So right. the original sandwich was a wrap. And since then, I mean, bread has been used to hold meat and other foods Absolutely. for a very long time. Well, I suppose you do get different types of bread, and bread itself has evolved a lot yeah. over the ages. So, you know, obviously... So I think... Yeah, Obviously, think... yeah, since starting with flatbread, we've gone to leavened bread, you know, we've got yeast, and now we have all these artisanal sourdoughs. I suppose it's quite interesting how it's artisanal... evolved over time. You're a big fan of everything returns to artisanal sourdough. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, while the sandwich was named after the Earl of Sandwich, mm-hmm. he very much wasn't the inventor, necessarily. But would you say he popularised the sandwich, or at least he gave name to the food stuff Possibly. that we all cherished? Yeah. And, now... and he was the one who associated the sandwich with British cuisine, right? With British cuisine, right. Yeah. Actually, the Wall Street Journal has actually described the sandwich as Britain's greatest contribution to gastronomy. That's quite Which, interesting, I think. I think. I think that's a bit of a shame, because I think Britain has made greater contributions to gastronomy. Such as? Uh, that, that's not important. <laughs> um, <laughs> but at the we same time, a, we have. Um, at the same time, it's quite interesting, I think, because you don't really think of a sandwich as the quintessentially British food. I don't really associate it with any I think country. It's fairly British. I think it can be British, but you know, even as Grace, as you were saying, you can get radish sandwiches from France, and that's definitively yeah. a French sandwich, not necessarily yeah. a British sandwich. I don't really associate sandwiches necessarily with the country. It seems American to me somehow. What so, radishes on? No, oh, no, the no, sandwich in general. The sandwich itself. Yeah. I think Americans do have a lot of sandwiches. I think, you know, a peanut butter jelly sandwich yeah. is a classic American. Yeah, maybe that's Do you call it jelly or jam or both? I it's call jam. it jam. Jam, but yeah, I do know yeah, in yeah, America yeah. they call it jelly. Yeah, I, in I America, think it's slightly different, actually. Yeah, in America they have this idea that jelly and jam are different things. Jam mm. is more likely to have kind of seeds in. Yeah. It's going to be a less smooth consistency. It's whereas preserved, jelly, I think. Yeah, whereas jelly is a, a, cons- it's a consistent... Mm. It, it is genuinely more jelly-like. Yeah, because uh, then what we call jelly season. is jello. Yeah, well, it's a, a gelatin dessert, right. if you want to use a non-branded term. Right, so we've got the distinction between kind of like a really fruity preserve, and if you strain that, then you get jelly, as they call it in America. Yeah. Then, of course, you've got that dessert jelly, which really doesn't have much to do with what we're talking about here. Uh, yeah, no one really puts jello in a sandwich. No, but that you is... Try. You could try. You could try putting jello You could put anything in a sandwich. Well, you can put anything in artisanal sourdough. Probably put anything within artisanal sourdough and it'll taste amazing. Yeah. But that is what we consider to be, you know, a classic American dish. The old peanut butter jelly is what we really associate with America. Would you say the same for a cheese toasty, perhaps? I think I think of that as quite American when I think of that. A cheese toasty? Mm. Mm. I well, think that transcends, like, national... Yeah, I grew up I with cheese toasties. You know, you probably grew up with cheese toasties. Yeah, absolutely. Or cheese jaffles. Cheese jaffles, uh, yeah, as we would call them. Um... I think a cheese toasty is 
And and then in, in, in France they have the croque monsieur. Croque monsieur. Yeah. Uh, I think I think a cheese toasty is a fairly kind of non-nationalistic concept. I suppose. But, but then again, at the same but time. Yeah. The hamburger. We have to mention the hamburger. The hamburger, yes. Which I might add already has its own emoji. Mm, that's right. The hamburger has had an emoji for a while now. Yeah. So apparently that's more important than the sandwich. Would you say a hamburger is a type of sandwich though? I think it is. I think it's a type of sandwich. I think it is, because you've got, you know, two Grace, slices Grace, of bread. I Grace, mean, do you, okay, look, do you I, not agree with us? I mean, I have no, like, actual logical way to back this up. It just seems intuitively wrong. What? The burger can be a sandwich? Yeah. I mean, they're just two different things. I get that you wouldn't really call a burger a sandwich when you're eating it. You would just I call it a burger. you could say that the part, two halves of the bun, they're not slices of bread. No. But they're still very much bread, right? Okay, what about like a I, I, like like a bacon roll, right? It's in a bun, mm. but it's still a sandwich, right? You'll call that sandwich. Maybe it's not. Mm, fair enough. Yeah, maybe, that... maybe the burger has gained enough popularity that it wouldn't need to be called a sandwich. Mm. Like it could, yeah. it could secede and become its own food stuff. I think a burger stands on its own, yeah. But I think at the end of the day, you know, it's got two slices of bread, it's got filling in between. Yeah. You but basically, if we want to say Justin Timberlake. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. But if we want to say that the the, the tortilla wrap mm-hmm. is a sandwich, as we may have to concede if we if we think that if we think that Hillel the Elder invented the sandwich, right? That was something very different to what we have today. Mm. Probably more different than the burger is from our traditional sandwich. Oh, absolutely, because you know it's not two pieces of bread with filling in between, yeah. but rather it's one piece of flat bread which kind of rolls up around the filling. I think that's slightly different in its yeah. structure. I'm big. I'm a big fan of the beauty of sandwiches being in the variety that they encompass. Oh, absolutely. And for that reason, I'm a pro burgerite, but I I respect the opinions of those. Who don't believe burgers are sandwiches? Absolutely. Well, I mean, if I get a burger, I wouldn't call it a sandwich outright. But that doesn't yeah. mean I don't acknowledge that it is a type of sandwich. Yeah, you don't sense. ask for a sandwich and expect a burger. Yeah, exactly. And you yeah. don't ask for a burger expecting, you know, two slices of bread from a whole loaf stacked with <laughs> yeah. filling in between. It's not quite a burger, you know? Okay, so now, Grace, uh, I was speaking to you about sandwiches earlier today. Yes. And you've got a very interesting theory about sandwiches that I think you have to explain on air to our listeners. Grace, why do you believe that sandwiches are the Tao? Well, okay, because... Can you just first, like, explain to us what exactly is the notion of the Tao? Alright, so the Tao, well, literally it means something along the lines of a way or a path. Um, It's basically, it's kind of, it's the intuitive understanding of life that you can't fully express. Right, so it's quite philosophical in nature. Oh, I see. I I, I get that, yeah. It's like the sort of underlying order of the universe. It kind of encompasses it. So it's believed to be some kind of underlying truth. Yes. Yeah. Um, And why do you think that sandwiches relate to the Tao? Well, because, I mean, sandwiches as a concept, I mean, when you talk about a sandwich, it means so much more than the physical object that is the sandwich. Yeah. You yeah. can't separate the idea of a sandwich Absolutely. from a sandwich. Yeah, yeah. Because when I'm saying, like, I ate a sandwich today, I'm not necessarily just talking about the arrangement of bread and cheese and... Uh, what, what was it? Or mustard and cheese? Mustard, cheese? mustard and ham. Mustard and ham. <laughs> um, and the way it's toasted. It's about the fact that the thing I ate forms a part of a greater whole. It means something. It means, it means more something yeah, than in just... the social and cultural context in which you Yeah, because, like, if 
I, I ate that sandwich because there was a prep at Oxford. And there was a prep at Oxford because Oxford is the way it is culturally and socially. Absolutely. And Oxford is the way it is culturally and socially because it's been, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but Oxford has been an axis of kind of education and teaching throughout most of the last eight, 900 years. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I think that's probably had some level of influence into the fact that there was a prep there that was serving toasted cheese, mustard and ham sandwiches. Well, there's not just one prep, but there's two preps in that street. So I think that really just emphasizes really, the point yeah, yeah. how important oh, uh, for those of us who aren't, For those of you who aren't down on the lingo, uh, Pret means Pret a Manger, the, uh, the the sandwich place. It's a really yeah, nice sandwich shop <laughs> that we are quite big fans of. They're not affiliated with us. We don't get sponsored by Pret, although Pret listeners out there, if anyone wishes to sponsor the show, you're more than welcome to do so. <laughs> Send us free sandwiches. So, uh, so sandwiches you believe are connected to a wider whole? Well, yes, because I mean, whenever you're whenever you say you ate a sandwich, you're mm-hmm. kind of you're implicitly making a statement there. Yeah. Based on the type of sandwich it is. Right. So yeah. you're saying that when I take a bite out of my sandwich, I'm more than just consuming my lunch. I'm kind of buying into this concept, yeah. a bigger concept of sandwichism itself that's more than just what's in front of me, but rather this bigger idea that I really need to connect with. And it's it's undeniable that for every, for every level of location, culture, mm-hmm. class anything like that there is a sandwich which describes it yeah i mean english upper class garden party in like mm-hmm. over the past hundred years small cucumber finger sandwiches mm-hmm. right absolutely yeah some finger food even in different cultures different nations i believe they all have their own form of sandwich mm. for example southeast asia they've got the bao which is a steamed bun sandwich which i'm quite a fan of and bao rhymes with tao it does rhyme with tao so that <laughs> you've got that connection there uh yeah so I think there's some there's some distance in this idea. I think there's something to be said about how there's a kind of a cohesive thread that joins all sandwiches well, that all humans can relate it, to. It means more than the act of eating the sandwich itself. Mm. I mean, when you eat your artisanal sourdough sandwich, right. it doesn't really count as eating it if you've not told everyone about it and made an implicit statement. Oh, no. Fact that and you and probably it. posted on your Facebook and Instagram well, that, the thing is, uh, that you've eaten a sourdough eating sandwich. It if no one knows that you've eaten it. Well, the thing is, if I go to the Wild Red Co. downstairs and I buy myself an artisanal sourdough loaf, there's really a higher level of pleasure to be gained from that sourdough loaf if I make it social, if I make that experience known to all my friends. If you, if you post a photograph of it post, on Instagram. If I make it my Snapchat story, if I foodstagram it, you know, if I message <laughs> all my friends saying that I'm having a really nice artisanal sourdough loaf topped with some smashed avocado, you know, that's just an Wait, experience. Wait, what's the difference between smashed avocado and, say, mashed avocado? Well... It's in the name, right? So a smashed avocado is more... Is, is it a violently smashed? It's a more violent form of mashed avocado, and that really does something to the avocado that makes it so much better. Mm, okay. I mean, okay. the indie cred is all in the choice of verb. Yeah. But the point is that when, when you eat a, um, a smashed avo mm-hmm. uh, sourdough, lightly toasted sandwich from Pret or whatever, mm-hmm. w- whatever indie joint you get your indiness from... Mm-hmm. It's not just eating a sandwich, it's saying, I am in this part of this culture, at this particular level, in this particular time, in this particular country, possibly even in this particular city, or or this particular store, if it's that specific. Yep. The sandwich is a descriptor of, of the 
the socioeconomic structure of yes. the world as a whole. You're always making a statement by eating a sandwich. Yeah. You always can't divorce statement. it from the context. And so, and so how does this come back to the Tao then? Well, the thing is, I mean, especially with sandwiches, I think the thing that sets it apart from other foods is that it is so incredibly generic that it comes to represent more than the thing itself. And by generic, of course, you mean universal, not plain. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, I mean, not, the, the not sandwich has There's nothing right. plain about a plain cheese sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I mean, the thing is, like sandwiches, I was saying earlier, like it's used, the usage of the word, it's, it kind of becomes somehow metonymically synonymous with food sometimes. Absolutely. Like the way you would say, like as an anti-feminist thing, make me a sandwich. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of social oh, statement. Oh, yeah, that's a very social. social I think that's that, quite a big one. It's a very social loaded product. statement. Yeah, mm. so everything comes back to sandwiches the way everything comes back to the towel. Yeah, I because see. when you, you know, make that remark, oh, go make me a sandwich, you're not just representing... Uh, you know, that food as a sandwich, but rather the sandwich refers to this greater ideal of, you know, the role of, you know, certain genders in society as a whole. And I think there's a really powerful idea to be gained there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly a very loaded statement and the sandwich, the, the sandwich part of that is very important. Absolutely. But I think it's so interesting because I think coming back to this Tao concept of sandwiches being this kind of idea of a greater good, I think that you're never really alone when you eat a sandwich because it doesn't matter where no, you are, what you're eating, what kind of sandwich you're eating, you're buying into this idea that is, you know, universally applicable. We all have this experience of having sandwiches and that's something that we can all enjoy when we enjoy our sandwiches. Yeah, when you, when you bite into a sandwich, mm. you're, you're biting into your history and your culture. Yes. Yeah, and not just your history and your culture, but everyone's history yeah. and everyone's culture. I mean, also culture. the history and culture of, like, any kind of cultures that your your culture may have ransacked in the past. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That would come into it. It's a bit of colonial sandwichism going on there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't think we should get into sandwich gentrification at the moment. No, not yet. No. That's for a later episode. Okay. Okay. So that's a, that's a pretty interesting idea, Grace. Uh, I think it makes sense. I think sandwiches could be the Tao. I don't know if we can prove that they're the Tao. I think it's a strong argument to it's be made there, though. It's a strong argument. Sandwich Taoism, who would have known? So that brings us to the next part of the show, and that's question time. So the idea of this segment is that we take your viewer questions and we answer them live on air. So if you have any questions about anything sandwich related, feel free to send them in to us, and hopefully we'll be able to feature it on the next episode and get you the answer that you want. Anyway, this week's question comes from our dear friend Sasha. Sasha, what do you have for us? I've got a question. Why do bagels and normal bread taste different? Okay. Okay, so I think there's a few different things going on in this question, but the main one is basically, what's the difference between a bagel and, say, a regular loaf of bread, and how does that affect the taste of that particular bagel? Yeah, so uh, we've uh, done a little research on this, mm-hmm. uh, and the, the bagel, so what's the fundamental ba- difference between how they make bagels and how they make ordinary bread? Well, I think there's and a few it- differences. So, you know... Starting with the most basic and the most obvious is just kind of the visual appearance between a bagel and a normal uh, bread roll, say. So a bagel obviously has the hole in the middle, which means that when they make the bagel, it's not really so much of a sphere, but rather a toroid shape. But I think the more fundamental uh, difference between a bagel and a slice of bread isn't so much to do with the appearance, but it's rather to do with this really interesting process to do with how bagels are made. And that is that bagels aren't just, you know, made into that shape and put into the oven like a normal piece of bread but rather they're boiled first. And that's kind of where the traditional New York bagel concept comes yeah. from. It's boiled Bagels dough. are boiled in water. And that gives them their kind of 
sheen on the outside. It gives them that sheen, I think. But more importantly, I think it changes the texture and the, the way. Density. The density. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's definitely a thing about bagels that they, they have smaller holes. Mm. I, I don't know a good way of saying this, but they have smaller holes. I think you just bagels. get more dough per mouthful, but that doesn't make it heavy. Yeah. It just makes it kind of springy and quite chewy, I think. I, I think yeah. you can describe a good bagel as a chewy yeah. bagel. And what do we... So... Do you think that some fillings only work with bagels and some fillings only work with bread? Uh, well, I think there are some fillings that you typically associate Let's get into with some a bagel. normative bagelology here. <laughs> so, uh, normative. So, what should be? I think that a bagel, uh, you can have fillings such as, say, smoked salmon and cream cheese. I think that's a typical yep. bagel. Yeah. I think you can get kind of like ham and cheese bagels, although I suppose that also applies for sandwiches. Yeah. But at the same time, you wouldn't really have a smoked salmon and cheese sandwich. Yeah, do you uh do you think there's anything to be said about the fact that what we classically consider to be bagel fillings are things like salmon smoked cheese, sa- yeah, smoked salmon and cheese, mm. uh, brie and like brie, brie and, brie and cranberry, yeah, brie and cranberry. That's right. kind of they're all kind of what we would consider kind of high or upper middle class. They're more flavors. luxury fillings. They're aren't luxury they? fillings, whereas the bagel itself, it's not a luxury food, is it? It's a very down to earth street food. Well, I suppose, but then I suppose that bagels are a more recent addition to this kind of sandwich scene. I say they haven't been around. Yeah, for as yeah. Long so as they've been. they've been around, but they haven't been sandwiches. They haven't been as for popular so as sandwiches for so long. Yeah. But nowadays, you know, if you go to any self-respecting cafe, they've got all these bagel varieties you can choose. Yeah, from. I, I mean, we have G and D's just down the road, and they do. They all do sorts of bagels, yeah. They've got breakfast bagels, they've got pizza bagels, they've got your I regular think bagels. bagels respond very well to toasting as well. Compared Absolutely. Compared to ordinary slices of bread. Absolutely. So, you know, cut a bagel in half, chuck it on the grill. I think that just opens up a whole new world of possibilities for, you know, bagel making. I think that's do really you think, important. Uh, Grace, do you think uh, radishes, butter and sea salt would work on a bagel? Um, I'm not sure about that. You could try it, though. We can try it? We go to G&D's and see if they can make one for us. <laughs> G&D's. Make us a radish, <laughs> radish. bagel. I'm sure what if they don't have radishes? Buy. Would we have to buy radishes? We have to bring our own, we have to bring our own yeah. radishes and go to G&D's. You know what? I don't think they would charge too much to do that. No, I mean, they have so. the equipment there. Absolutely. Again, we're not sponsored by G&D's, but if anyone from G&D's is listening to this show, more than happy to accept give us money. applications <laughs> of sponsorship. Or just stamps on our loyalty cards, to be honest. Yeah, yes. that works too. I'm about three stamps away from getting a free Sunday, so if anyone from G&D's wow, is listening wants to give us a few, a few stamps, you know, more than happy to oblige. <laughs> Yeah, I have a G&D's loyalty card, but there's no stamps on either side. I've just kind of kept it. So you kind of just got the card, but you didn't buy anything when you got the card. No, I I picked it up because I thought it would be a good idea. Yeah, I do get that a lot, though. Yeah. And now we have another question from our friend Marion. So, you know how sandwiches don't really fall apart as much as they should fall apart? considering there's nothing holding them together. Is that because the two pieces of bread, because they're from like the same loaf, like just want to be together and like are attracting each other, like, and then squishing and filling the middle? All right, so that's a really interesting question there. I think I think, uh, think Marion was probably thinking about her philosophy essay when she asked that question. Philosophy essay, or perhaps some physics worksheets that you guys might have been doing? Yeah, either of those might have led her to believe or to come up with the idea that slices of bread from the same loaf are attracted to each other. Alright, so this question's really about uh, interbread attraction, isn't it? So John, you're a physicist. Would you be able to tell me about whether or not there's any, you know, physical attraction between bread because it's from the same loaf or because they're the same type of bread? You know, 
I'm going to say almost certainly not. I no. think... Oh, that's somehow disappointing. <laughs> well, that, there, are al- there are alternative theories, uh, but I think that two slices of bread from different loaves attract themselves the same amount as two slices of bread from the same loaf. All right, but no, hear me out here. So if you think about a sandwich, it's just a stack of bread and fillings and more bread. There's yeah, nothing, that's one way of thinking There's about no it. glue in the sandwich apart from perhaps sauce. But again, you wouldn't put sauce between every Or layer. actual glue if you're that kind of a person. Or actual glue if you want a really sturdy <laughs> sandwich. But in a normal sandwich, there's really nothing that kind of gels the whole sandwich together. So how come it manages to stay together so well? So there's an important fact about sandwiches, which mm. is in fact the reason why sandwiches exist it's because you hold them right and when you hold in the act of holding a sandwich you are i'm, I'm doing a visual aid for grace and andy here you guys won't be able to see but i i'm i'm mimicking wrapping my hands around a sandwich to listeners in australia john is currently doing the uh, hungry jacks burger is better <laughs> handshake right now but anyway keep going okay uh, so you wrap your hands around both slices and that is what holds the slices together right and now, here is an important part of this thought experiment, we might call it, that doesn't match with Merriam's theory, which is that if you were to take out your thumbs from underneath the bottom slice, right, then it would fall. No, but it's not necessarily a case of whether or not the interbred attraction is strong enough to hold the sandwich by itself, because I suppose that would require quite a bit of force. But rather, but if, I think it's a question about whether any force exists at all. But if you admit that we're the ones holding the sandwich together, then you don't need the interbred attraction. But that doesn't prove it doesn't exist, though. Actually, I think that we can do an okay. empirical test okay. on this. There is a force of gravity in between the slices. Sure. But it doesn't depend on which loaf they're from. So you think if we have a sandwich with, say, one slice of wholemeal and bread... in fact, in fact, if we were to take a negatively charged loaf and a positively charged loaf, <laughs> sure. then the opposite would be true. Because and negative attract attracts positive and positive attracts negative. So if you have them from the same loaf, your sandwich will fall apart. Right. But from the opposite loaf, they will stick together. Right. So say, for example, if you have, you know, some plain 75p co-op white bread on one side, that's, say, negatively charged bread. And on the other side, you've got some artisanal sourdough that's positively charged. Do you think that sandwich will kind of clamp together? Are you assigning value judgments here? Well, I think it's arbitrary, isn't it? You, do saying? you think that sourdough is uh, necessarily positive compared to all other types of dough? I think it's necessarily as a necessary condition superior to all other types of bread. Okay, okay. So would you not say that the superior loaf would be repelled by the lower class bread? Well, I suppose that's a very, uh, you know, 18th century way of thinking about it. But, but I think well, changes... Let us remember that sandwiches are an 18th century food. Sure, but I suppose when sandwiches were created, you know, it wasn't really meant as a working class meal. It was created by an earl. So you think they were all artisanal sourdough back then? Perhaps. That's possible. It's a possibility. But what you I'm saying... You think artisanal sourdough is the original and pure form of the sandwich? Perhaps it is. I'm not sure about that. We can I have think to... artisanal sourdough is the towel. I think artisanal sourdough is the answer to everything. But anyway, what I was saying was that perhaps it might have been true in the past we had that kind of sandwich classism going on where really nice breads repelled lower class breads. But I think today in a more kind of cohesive, tolerant society, I think we're more likely to see a slice of bread that are more attracted to each other. Wouldn't you agree? Attracted to it. So you think that they go straight from being repelled to being attracted? Well, I don't think that it's, you know, something that happened overnight, but I think over the period of several centuries of change and bread making. But that means there norms, is a point at which there is no repulsion or attraction. Yeah, that's right. So it would have passed. But we, zero and we could at one be point. living in that point. 
we could be living at that point. Perhaps it's the case that sandwiches used to repel each other, and in the future okay. they will attract okay. each other. Okay, answer this for me. Mm-hmm. I've definitely seen sandwiches where you have white bread on one side sure. and brown bread on the other. Yep. Like a club sandwich. Why would that? How like would a that? Club sandwich. Yeah. Why would that be a thing if they had to be from the same loaf to attract? Well, I think that what you were saying, we might well be going through that period of history right now where we don't really experience any interbred for uh, interbred attraction. Oh, so we have to wait like a hundred years. Oh, it's possibly. But I think that as long as we have the concept of mixed bread sandwiches that stay around for, say, the next hundred years, then we will be able to empirically measure that, which I okay. think is quite important. Okay. I think uh, I think this conversation has got certainly very interesting, very mm, strange. So. But I wonder if it's time to uh, call the sandwich hotline. It's time to call the sandwich hotline. It's time hotline. to call the sandwich hotline. All right, John. So you remember this story. <laughs> so I was walking down to hall. I was just grabbing some lunch. Yeah. And at the corner of my eye, I saw in the fridge a pre-packaged sandwich. What brand was it? Ginston's. Ginston's sandwiches. Yeah, really good quality sandwiches that we serve at Hall. Something. We're like, not sponsored by them. We're not sponsored by them. But again, if anyone's willing to yeah. lodge some sponsorship applications, more than happy to oblige. <laughs> anyway, so there I was with my pre-packaged sandwich, went through the checkout, went back to my room, ready to devour my tasty feast. And, I was, and as I was unwrapping my sandwich, just through the corner of my eye, I saw at the back of the packet a phone number. And I thought, why would a sandwich have a phone number? And it turns out there's an entire sandwich hotline dedicated to answering questions. And it's run by the sandwich uh, company that makes those sandwiches. Yep. And this, of course, when you see that number, there's only one thing left to do, and that's to call it up. So we've tried this in the past. We haven't had much success. But I think yeah. that what we really need to do for this episode, and perhaps for some future episodes, is that we need to try again and see yeah. if we can get our we sandwich need to questions make it, We need answered. to make it a long-term quest mm-hmm. to find out what the sandwich hotline does. Absolutely. Get them to answer all of the sandwich-related questions that we have, because uh-huh. there's a lot of them. Yep. Uh, maybe they can answer Miriam's question. Perhaps. And then maybe ask them for sponsorship. So uh, I think it's time to call. I have my phone right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're ready to call them. I think we should do it. Dial away. All right. We made it through. We made it through. We made it through. We're um okay okay we're uh we're doing a podcast called Sandwich Talk. All right. We're talking about sandwiches. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we have a few questions about sandwiches Mm -hmm. that we want to ask. The first one is, and this is one that's been on our mind for a few weeks now, uh, when I I buy a Ginster's sandwich, it comes with a packet that has two half sandwiches in. All right? Yes. Are those from the same sandwich, or are they from two sandwiches that have been stacked on top of each other and then cut in half? No, they're the two which would be made if you put two pieces of bread together and put the fill inside it. So it's the same sandwich. It's the same, it's the sandwich. same sandwich. Right. It's the same sandwich. Wow, do we have any other questions immediately to ask right now? Oh, not at this point, no. Uh, no, okay, that's uh, that's been running really helpful. I think we need to wrap up our podcast, so thank you. Thank uh, you. Thank you very much. Thank you for all your help. Goodbye. No Bye. Oh, and we love the Insta sandwiches. That's amazing. What an that's, That was a... 
on the on our first episode, first we get episode. that result. Got that result. So, That's amazing. Okay, we've ca- we've called them a couple times before, and normally it doesn't go through. <laughs> we were expecting the same thing to happen most for times. the rest of the series. For the rest of the series, but it turns out there is a person on the other end, and they do know about sandwiches. Do you think that was Ginster herself? I think it would have been. She's yes. the one that makes the sandwiches. Okay, uh, so she's a sandwich hand. Um, I'm glad that happened while we were recording. I think that's an excellent, uh, uh, excellent end to the first episode. And we're going to have to figure out a, di- a different way to end our future episodes because I don't think I can ever call that number again. We're going to have to think of a future gag that we can use in future episodes. Right. But anyway, that's all we so have listeners, time for this week. Yeah, listeners, that's all we have time for this week. Have Well, if this is going to be a weekly thing. Mm-hmm. That's all we have time for in this episode. Have a lovely day and a lovely life. Goodbye. Bye, and have a lovely sandwich.